today's show brought to you by our friends at Qatar Racing. We're thrilled to be partnered with them. Qatar Racing is a subsidiary of Kipco, the largest sponsor in British flat racing. As a global racing and breeding operation, Qatar Racing Chairman Sheikh Fahad bin Abdullah Al Thani has created an expansive international sponsorship portfolio to include the Breeders' Cup and events like the Pegasus World Cup turf. Qatar Racing has over 100 horses in training, many mares and foals slash yearlings, as well as four top-class stallions, Kamiko, Zustar, Havana Gold, and Lightning Spear. Do not miss out on the great Qatar Racing action, and you can learn more about them at inthemoneypodcast.com slash Qatar, Q-A-T-A-R. It was great thrill to be down at Monmouth Park over the weekend for Pick Your Prize. We've got more cool contest action coming up, including on Haskell Preview Day, the 16th of June. We're going to be doing a nearly free contest with them. You have to pay a dollar, but you get it actually refunded back to you. Going to be an opportunity to win your way into the Haskell Day contest. Many more details on this will be coming, but save the date. We're going to be doing a live stream for that one as well on the 16th of June. And yeah, you'll be able to play it over at horseplayers.com. Keep paying attention to Monmouth every weekend now as we get into the heat of summer. Some terrific racing action down there at the Jersey Shore. And speaking of live streams and contests this week, the return of Horse Player Happy Hour. The game will be up soon over at horseplayers.com. You can go on there and check it out. Follow me on social media for all the details at Looms Boldly. Hello and welcome to the In The Money Players podcast. This is our show for Monday, June 5th. We're kicking off Belmont Stakes Week. I'm your host, Peter Thomas Fornital, back with you in the Brooklyn Bunker once again after some super fun adventures in New Jersey this weekend. Want to shout out my dinner companions from last night. Went to the legendary Federici's in Freehold, which is like really one of the cooler pizza places not just because the pizza is awesome because it's so unique and just the vibe of the place is really cool it's sort of like a midwestern tavern that you only have to go to to new jersey for and had a a ton of fun there with uh, roger satina and nikki faz and frank Sorensen, and it was just so great being able to walk around monmouth and see so many contest players and folks who are getting excited to hopefully join us for the happy hours that are going to be starting on this thursday we'll talk about that a little bit more as the show gets going, but we'll start off by bringing in today's co-host, a man I'll have the pleasure of seeing in person in just a few days' time. You know him from the mic at Sam Houston and in the moneypodcast.com and many other places. He's Nick Tamaro. Nick, what's going on? Doing great, my friend. Looking forward to uh, getting up there in Belmont week. It's always, always one of my favorite weeks of the year, no doubt about it. We got to get you to carve out the whole week one year, so you do this Monmouth weekend as the lead-in, and we've got a little extra um fun this year because you know how the in baltimore for preakness week there's always a thursday day orioles day game well neither the mets nor yankees are home on wednesday uh before the stakes festival kicks off but the brooklyn cyclones are and i think that uh marshall graham 
and I will be heading down to Coney Island and, and Perrin may have a cold that day. She may, she may not be able to make it into school. So <laughs> we'll see if I win that fight um, with Susan, but that's the, that's the plan as of now, just looking to add on to this, uh, to this tremendous week. And we're going to spend most of this truncated show talking about the Belmont Stakes Festival. But before we look forward, let's look back a little bit at any performances from the weekend. We, we could start by letting you take a bow with the Penine Ridge where I was dead wrong and you were completely right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take too much of a victory lap. Uh, it did look like Kalik was the, the one to catch on paper and it played out that way. It was a pretty pretty heady ride by Arad Ortiz Jr., which you expected that horse to be on the lead. And uh, when he was able to get away with pretty soft fractions, it looked like that was all she wrote kind of halfway down the back stretch. So no great surprise there. It's a little, always a little interesting to see a Chad Brown trainee on the lead. Generally his horses are going to come from off the pace, but this is a horse that's really improving. And, you know, to go from beating Cumberland by a nose three starts ago to now being an allowance winner and a, a graded stake winner, you know, the it's, it's a, it's a quick, it's been a quick path to the top for him. The other thing that you'll know about, his Belmont Derby is that uh, upcoming next race, presumably is that uh, they take the rails down for that race. So the inside is generally very fresh, generally very good. It made a grade one turf winner at a classic causeway who looks like he probably could barely win an allowance race now on the turf at least. So um, that'll, that'll be something to look forward to for Kalik. I think, you know, the interesting story, I had a couple of people text me about this and it's a good topic to bring up with you is that uh, it doesn't look like the Charlie Appleby horses have quite the magic that they did in 2022 and you know i i i kind of thought about it a lot and i think that he probably he probably benefited from circumstance a lot in a short period of time and you know i think that in a way you look at the horses that he his horses have lost to so far in 2023 and i mean modern games lost to a freak performance in chez pierre and great to see the chez pierre is going to run this weekend at, at belmont um Warren Warren Point didn't exactly get one of Frankie's best rides in the Man of War. Yep. Uh, with the Moonlight lost in Italian, which there's no shame in. And the Silver Knot lost to Kalik on the pace. So your Silver Knot looks like a bit of a quirky horse as well. He looks like one that wants to be inside. So does Far Bridge. And, um, and so I think that worked against both of them with Kalik dictating terms to everybody else. So I, I think the rumors of, uh, of Charlie's demise are exaggerated at this point. <laughs> No, I think that's a fair point. He's run into some horses and had some circumstances, and I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, picks up uh, where he left off. And, you know, anytime you – what was that stat at one point? Eight of 14 or something in yeah. grade one? I mean, that's just – it's even – doesn't matter how great your horses are. doesn't matter how talented a trainer you are. That kind of stuff is is unsustainable, and, and, and we've seen that this year. But, yeah, I wouldn't be looking to reflexively oppose them, or I think you might be begging to get some sand kicked in your face. Yeah, I, I think you, you want to be careful about that. You also want to understand that, you know, he was winning kind of – I don't want to be too harsh on them, but, you know – Nation's Pride won some bad races last year and did so with some very modest speed figures. So I think he had a lot of horses in the right place at the right time. And I think this year he's had kind of some of the right horse horses in the right place at the wrong time, because some of the American contingent is better than, you know, than the horses that, uh, that, he, that his, his horses faced last year. That being said, I mean, he'll have with the moonlight in New, in New York on Friday, he'll have Ottoman fleet and Warren point in the Manhattan on Saturday. So, you know, he's going to give it a go and he's going to see what, uh, what his horses have to offer. 
it might turn around in a hurry. We're going to be analyzing all this stuff. This is going to be as busy a week on the network as I think we've ever had. Production meeting in the middle of the show. Are you up for doing a plus podcast maybe for Friday? We'll go through that card. Do you, do you think you'll have time to, to oh, yeah. obviously? Okay, great. And I think Drew and I might tackle Thursday. Um, so we'll have extra shows for that. Steve, Chris, JK, and myself, Wednesday night live at 7. That's going to be fun. We'll be doing the Belmont Day Pick 6. We should probably do some coverage of the other stakes at Belmont as well. JK is going to have Tony Alivato on JK Plus One talking about the whole um, Fox getting the Belmont deal. So that'll be some fun extra content. Sean Borman will be doing something. You know, he has a good story to tell from Hong Kong last weekend, and we'll get his thoughts. It's just going to be a ton of content. You know, check it out. And it's definitely still a good week to sign up for In The Money Plus, InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus if you want to check that out. Um, Kalik ended up with the 90 buyer speed figure there. Any other performances from uh, the, the the weekend you feel like are worth highlighting? You know, obviously we had a lot of action at Churchill as well. We did, yeah. Uh, one other Belmont one redistricting in 87 on debut, breaking his maiden in, I think, the seventh race on Saturday. Uh, really impressive performance. The son of Wooten Bassett, who was purchased overseas for, for Klarovich, looks like a potential stakes horse, I would imagine. You, know, you might see him in a race like the Manila, maybe prepping for the uh, for the museum or, uh, or maybe a horse they want to end up sending a little bit longer. It, it just depends, um, as the turf options are really plentiful. There were four, four three-year-old turf races over the weekend that I mentioned on uh, on yep. Twitter. Um, you know, the Churchill races were uh, relatively chalky, all things considered. They were kind of expected to be rattle and roll. Was uh, was a really game winner. The blame and coming back in 15 days off a really hard race at Pimlico. You know, I hope they're not squeezing the lemon dry with him. I worry that he's running a little too much, um, and I, that's ironic coming from me. Yes, you're, you're, kind of you're always there, beating, but... beating the drum for running the more. This horse is running so much, even we're saying, hey, wait a second. But, oh, but I love it. He's such a throwback. <laughs> no, he is. He is. And, and, I mean, Kenny McPeak's one of those guys that would potentially run his horses more often than, you know, than you'd expect. So it's, it's good to see him – uh, performing at a high level. And look, I mean, Kenny's got two of the best handicap horses in the country right now. No doubt about it. I would have loved to have seen Smile Happy in the Met Mile, especially now with Taba defecting. Um, but he's going to go in the Foster, I would assume, the Stephen Foster to be run at Ellis Park and, um, and rattle and roll. I, I would imagine maybe the Suburban, maybe he's probably on a Suburban uh, Jockey Club Gold Cup type trajectory. But Kenny's going to run him a few times in between those, I, I would imagine. So good to see him. Web Slinger was a nice winner of the... Uh, the Audubon, um, he is a three-year-old turf horse who's now won two in a row. And uh, Idiomatic beat Frost Point in the Shawnee, where uh, I still have no idea why they ran travel column if they were going to rate her off the pace. She had no chance on paper uh, pretty much any, either way, but at least give yourself some shot going to the lead. That put Frost Point up against it. But I'll tell you, Pete, in retrospect, I wonder if the – the placement of Frost Point wasn't a little bit of indictment of her by Bill Mott because um, she looked like a horse that was probably deserving of a grade one chance in a race like the Phipps. Now, Mott mentioned that he might run Frank's Rocket in the Phipps, which um, would be kind of shocking. But um, maybe that's why Frost Point went there. Either way, she did not look like the horse that won the double dog there. Gunite's worth a shout out. The 108 buyers. Figure that this, this horse is looking like a serious contender for the Breeders' Cup sprint at this stage. Oh, yeah, big time. And, and in fact, beat Sibelius, who, you know, kind of had been one of the better sprinters uh, prior to going to Dubai and I guess benefited from a, from a, a kind of a good rail at Maidan. 
um, because he didn't take a nickel on Saturday and he didn't run a step. He ran a little bit. He moved a little bit around the turn. He was dead flat turning for home. I know his connections mentioned that they were going to go to the true north originally and they rerouted there. That was probably a bad sign, all things considered. So, yeah, it was a it was a poor performance from Sabelli's great performance from Gunite. Let's talk about some industry stuff. You mentioned about the Stephen Foster being run at Ellis Park. I thought that was a very strange and I, I'm sure there was a reason. But that and maybe the story wasn't meant to get out and it got out. It just I was so nervous all weekend with the announcement that racing was going to be moving from Churchill to Ellis and the fact that they still ran at Churchill last weekend. I was definitely on pins and needles, just hoping nothing went wrong because it would have been such an easy target for those that, you know, are are uh, are anti horse racing, let's say. Fortunately, they did get through the weekend. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I appreciate the idea of taking every measure to make sure that it's not the track that's all jacked up. But that was some surprising news, I thought. And, uh, you know, again, glad they got through it. Glad they're, they're taking every look. And it did lead to, uh, I, I mean, it was like having a time machine, Nick, of, and it reminded me of, you know, the old, uh, the old Santayana uh, line about, uh, those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it with a certain op-ed in the, in, in the TDN wanted to give you a, a minute or two to opine on that. Yeah. I mean, a little bit to unpack there. It's, it's uh, intelligent by Churchill Downs to try and take some of the heat off right now. I, I don't, you know, I don't know all of the elements that went into the decision-making process. I think that, you know, obviously there's a lens on Churchill Downs around Derby time and you want to be careful about uh, what goes on there. You know, I, I, you heard very little about issues that Horseman had with the track. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's an issue with the track. I do think that testing it and investigating some of the injuries and studying the veterinary reports on the horses that got hurt is probably just as important as testing anything on the surface itself especially because they're going to continue to train over it. And, um, and they're, you know, all plans are to run on it in September. So to go over to Ellis, I think just kind of puts a bit of a bandaid on the situation for now. Um, you know, the problem with all of this, Pete, and, and you can fold in the synthetic part of the conversation. And, and I, I say this, you know, with total appreciation for equine athletes, for the humans that are involved in them. I'm somebody who loves the game. I'm somebody who, bets a ton of money on a yearly basis. I, I donate to causes, et cetera, et cetera. But the number's never going to be zero. So this, this warped, insane notion that we're going to get the number to zero is just that. And so we have to get away from that. And we have to stop apologizing for every horse death. We have to stop backpedaling and playing defense. I mean, there is an interview that was conducted on CNN over the weekend with a, a professional that is so indicative of the problem that racing has run into, which is he basically just apologized through the entire interview and said, you know, we have to do this. We have to do that. We're bad about this. We're bad about that. Yeah, there are things that we're bad about. There are things we have to get better at. No doubt about it. One of them is media training. And when you're interviewed by a major media network and you're getting grilled by a, by a sharp and very astute host, you can't just cower to him. But that's a different issue altogether. So, you know, there has to be somebody that stands up and says, hey, this was going on in California four years ago. This is what has happened subsequently. You know, I call the races at a racetrack that has zero fatalities in 2023. So and, and is noted as having one of the safest surfaces in America. There are a lot of good things going on with regards to equine safety. There have been huge efforts made by the NTRA and that will continue under HISA to make sure that racetracks are safe, to do everything that we can. There have been strides made in the veterinary practices and the, the 
uh, things done in Kentucky, specifically with regards to what horses end up running. Those things are being done everywhere. We have to talk about those. We have to put all of that out there to be consumed, because if you're just constantly backpedaling and, and apologizing for everything that happened, I mean, there is nobody that celebrates an equine fatality. It's horrible. It's horrible to see. It's horrible to know about. It's rough on the people that do everything, that bet, that train, that groom, that, you know, that exercise, right, that do all of it. So we feel horrible about it. We want to get that number down as much as possible, and we want to do it in a coordinated kind of way. The idea that we would move back to synthetic surfaces is like having the same bad nightmare that you finally stopped having, you know, and, and I should, I'm not referring to them as a nightmare. What I'm saying is that they didn't fix anything, right? I mean, they didn't fix anything long-term. We had a multitude of, of soft tissue injuries. We had a lot of horses just um, underperform on them. And, and we were, we were on the, in the midst of losing any type of, of breeding industry in this country by, by anointing horses that really were just not fit. They weren't good stallions. They weren't going to be good horses moving forward. So the other thing is that why abandon any effort to have safe dirt racing? Right. Why are we moving on from safe dirt racing? So, you know, I, I had somebody tell me on Twitter um, that I was I was so pleased to be informed by this person that synthetics are much safer statistically. Well, it's much safer statistically to not have a cell phone in a car. So we should definitely ban we should ban phones in cars, period. Right. It's much safer to not drive. So you should walk. Right. I get it. I know stats. Right. I, I, I spend a lot of time with statistical stuff. So it's uh, it's just it's a little it's a little hasty. It's a little bit of a rush to judgment, but it's also very consistent with what racing has always done, which is, you know, let's have a knee jerk reaction to something. Let's apologize and then go totally over the top in what we think is going to fix it instead of being rational about it. That's a very, very good analysis all in all. I'm not anti the existence of synthetic. I think me either trying to work with it in a limited way and see what works and maybe even expand it. May, you know, I could see a day in many years where maybe at lower levels, most of the racing is conducted on, conducted on synthetic. I don't really have a huge problem with that, but I feel like the best racing in America is supposed to be dirt racing. I think we've seen examples in Texas and California where it can be conducted safely. And I think we've, if we know one thing for sure, it's that rushing it in and rushing it out doesn't and it doesn't do any good at all. So that that was my biggest objection to it was it was it really was like, hey, let's do this thing that didn't work exactly the same way we did it before. I, I, I was getting a little bit of that from from the from the TDN and and and, that, and that's not so good. And I think your point about media messaging is really good in terms of let's come forward with some solutions instead of just always talking about problems. And I'm not saying the problems aren't real; they're real. But in terms of, you know, our, getting our message out there to the larger world, I, th I think there probably is a shrewder way to do it. And we don't have a ton of time on the show, Nick. So I'm going to get to a couple of quick commercial words here. And then we're going to spend the remainder of our time looking forward to this Belmont Stakes Festival coming up. And the first word I'll give is from our friends at Naira. They've got their big contest coming up this weekend. You can find all the information over at Naira.com. It's a two-day $5,000 contest. There are uh, lots of cash and seats available. This is one you're going to want to check out over at Naira.com under the handicapping contest tab. I'm sure you can play on Naira bets as well if you're not going to be out there at, uh, at the contest. We mentioned already the big news that the uh, Fox, the big Fox, will be 
having Belmont covered. That's going to be pretty exciting. Looking forward to seeing what they come up with. And we'll remind folks that if you want to follow along with the America's Day at the Races coverage, probably the easiest way to do it in the moneypodcast.com slash TV. We've created a little pretty link. You can go and see when you can catch uh, JK and Acacia and Maggie and the rest of the team over there. Also wanted to give a shout out to our newest sponsor, Cut, K-U-T-T. Really cool betting app. I've been using it. Uh, I've been playing baseball on Cut almost every day. It's an opportunity to bet with really favorable terms to players. And because basically there's just a small commission taken out and you can challenge your friends on there to make bets with you or you can make a public bet and get matched that way good way to mess around with the uh, nba finals going on hockey whatever it is you're interested in uh, it there is a web-based version of cuts but i recommend the app and if you sign up and use our promo code money right now there is a 10 percent deposit match not deposit match basically a 10 percent rebate if you if you put in a thousand, you'll get eleven hundred. That kind of deal. Uh, promo code money. Check it out on the App Store. Uh, K U T T. Highly, highly recommended. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Nick, it feels like every year we're incrementally moving towards this idea of the Belmont Stakes Festival as kind of a USA ask it. I love moving more of the stakes races to Friday. And I don't know, who knows, maybe in several years when we have a new renovated Belmont and and things are rocking and rolling in that regard, it really will become three proper days of of stakes racing. Is that a a vision you like the idea of? I do, yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously the the, uh, track has an initiative to put uh, some quality racing on Friday because they're going to sell the tickets as two-day package deals. Um, you could envision them potentially wanting to do that for three days. And so, yeah, stakes racing from Thursday through Sunday this year. And obviously the Friday card is uh, significantly meatier than it's ever been in the past in terms of uh, uh, not meteors from the sky. But it reminds you of that scene in The Sopranos when when Pauly says uh, that there was a meteor that came to the earth. And he says, dinosaurs were meat eaters. Christopher says, not meat eaters, meteors. Anyway, so... Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's good. You know, have what last year there was one grade one on Friday. The New York had been had been upgraded. But now you can add the acorn and the just a game um, to a card that's already pretty fun. The Belmont Gold Cup's always a fun race. So I'm looking forward to it very much so. Yeah, it's going to be cool. I'll be doing a couple of write ups for at the races.com on that. And again, we'll have some special coverage on the plus side. And then we've got the big day. And, you know, again, just uh, just one, the, the hits just keep on coming. Outside of the big race, is there one that you're particularly looking forward to? I mean, I guess the Met was kind of a big race. It still is. But um, Taba not taking on Cody's wish, you know, kind of makes you makes you wonder a little bit uh, if it's going to be quite as strong a race. I think the Phipps should be really terrific. We'll get Clarier against Secret Oath. And again, and uh, you can throw search results into the mix there, who ran very well in the Phipps last year, ran very well in the uh, La Troyenne. Um, I think Phil Bauer is going to send up played hard. So that would be, you know, that would be interesting. You also wonder a little bit, Pete, if maybe some of these guys that were pointing to Churchill stakes races might say, Hey, you know, let me go up to New York, especially if I nominated because uh, I'm not all that keen on running at Ellis. So, you know, you'd almost, you almost kind of wish that Kenny McPeak had planned on running smile happy in the Met because now 
you know, the Foster is going to be at Ellis and the Met doesn't have Taba. So it's a significantly yeah. easier, not, not to, it's a somewhat easier race. You still have to take on Cody's wish at a mile, but I'm looking forward to both of those. I'm looking forward to seeing Shea Pierre in the poker. I don't see how the heck they're going to get four or five horses to run against him after the way he performed in the, in the maker's mark mile. And I was looking at the anomalous and it is short, um, especially on horses that look like they could run there. Um, I think Caravel against Casa Creed is sort of an underrated Jiper matchup that we're, we're looking forward to. Um, I think Caravel is totally worth betting against. And, um, and Casa Creed has obviously been so good at, at six furlongs. So very fun uh, race there. And, uh, you know, as far as Friday goes, I think the, the Belmont Gold Cup came up really interesting. Four horses coming off jump races. Um, looking to go the, the distance. And our friend Charlie Appleby, who we were talking about, looks to be pretty well represented with Siskiny. So uh, that'll be that'll be interesting to see. No doubt about it. Europeans have dominated that race going all the way back to when the big Haas won it in uh, in 2016. So I would assume that, that Siskiny will be pretty, pretty tough to handle. Be interesting to see for sure. I was interested to see Caravel among the probables for the Jiper because there's been all the talk about Ask It. Did, no any Ask chance- It for her. They they just decided that that was a bridge too far. Okay, that came that, that came out on your Roman holiday. Um, <laughs> yeah, she was no no ask it for her. They're going to go to the Jiper and uh, more of a domestic campaign, ultimately leading to the Breeders' Cup. Okay, I mean you know can't uh, can't argue that uh, it's, it's a huge race, the Jiper, and it really is coming up. I mean the, the probable list on that one is is immense. Let's spend the rest of our time talking about the the big race itself, the Belmont Stakes where we've got, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit uh, last week, but curious to get your current thoughts on it. And I guess we should, the conversation start should start with Forte. What are you expecting from him? Well, I'm going to bet against him um, totally and completely. I'm not betting a horse off a two-month layoff going a mile and a half that I kind of feel um, would have distance limitations anyway. Excuse me. Um, so, I, you know, I have no problem with that, especially as a favorite. I'm not a clocker. I'm somebody that watches workouts on my, you know, in my other time. Um, it's like, the, you know, I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought his last workout was brutal. I didn't care for the way he looked at all. I thought his workmate was barely asked, and he was ridden very, very hard to keep up. They were obviously trying to go fast as well. Um, which, you know, you don't, you wonder a little bit about Todd Pletcher trying to put a speed work into a horse in their final work for a mile and a half race. That just doesn't look like a great setup. So I'm against Forte at uh, pretty much any price. And six to four, two to one, that's the range that we're seeing. So a pretty heavy favorite. I can't disagree with anything you said. I mean, there were distance questions for, for a mile and a quarter. So now a mile and a half. And we talk so much about how much we love to see trainers with, with a plan. Well, we're down to about plan C for Forte. I don't like that as the favorite either. How about Angel of Empire? Three to one and seven to two across the board right now. It's kind of short enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I have a tough read on him because I don't like his style for the Belmont. You know, he's obviously a drop back one run closer. This is a horse that, um, you know, I don't want to compare him to a horse like Barbara Road. Barbara Road had a little bit less tactical speed. But, you know, we've seen a lot of these closing types. I mean, maybe compare him to a horse like Ron Bauer two years ago, um, kind of in the same ballpark speed figure wise. It, that, that style just doesn't really equate to a mile and a half success. 
And, and so, you know, you wonder, people say, well, why would you like Tapich Rice and not like him? Tapich Rice has races where he's significantly more forward than Angel of Empire does. Now, the X factor there is Flavian Pratt, who's ridden the Belmont well and uh, rode Hot Rod Charlie very well two years ago, rode him aggressively, which I think is something you can do in the Belmont Stakes. So I'm inclined to give him a little bit of a, of a, a chance, maybe more underneath. Wind slot, I'm not going to include him very much because I also think that price is a little too short. Have you tipped your hand that Tapatrice is the runner you're interested in? Seven to two, generally a little bit of four to one out there now? Yeah, one of the three I'm going to use in my multis and and one of the three I'm going to focus my my intra-race betting on. I, I was probably a little critical in the immediate aftermath of the Derby. The problem that this horse has is his wounds are often self-inflicted, right? He doesn't get out of the gate well. He doesn't have a ton of speed, but he's such a galloper. And I'll tell you what, Pete, I thought he's looked tremendous in his training the last couple of times. I mean, I know that classic catch is not much horse, but he shredded him in those last two workouts and galloped out way ahead of him. He just might be more at home in New York. And so he feels like the Todd Pletcher horse that, that really fits the profile here. Interesting thing about him. And, and, you know, I engaged in a a pretty lengthy conversation about this on Twitter last week. What price is he going to end up going off? Like, are these, are these anti-post odds going to be right? Is he going to be the third choice? I had him as that. I had him as a third choice. Um, but everybody seemed to tell me that he was almost going to be the favorite. I can't see it. How, how is Forte not the favorite? How is Angel of Empire not the second choice? You know, with the, and, all that much better run in the Derby. And I'll be honest with you. I thought National Treasure would be a shorter price than, than Tappet Trice. I guess nobody is buying National Treasure's Preakness win. I and, think it's I, walking the dog on the lead. What's the pace map going to look like here? I mean, if he looks loose again, yeah. he, could be, he could be in the top three choices for sure. Right now, he's yeah. fives and sevens and 11 to two and one place 13 to two. So they, they, there's a lot of skepticism about that race. But what's it, who, who is, else is going to be on the lead here? I mean, that's the problem is that the, of the horses that are entered right now, nobody has a ton of speed. I think the the two horses that you could say, I think they'll get forwardly placed uh, trips will be Hit Show and Archangelo. Archangelo was a little bit more aggressive in the Peter Pan going to a mile and an eighth. And and I think that Javier, Javier has been very astute when it comes to the Belmont in terms of placing horses forwardly and getting them to overperform. And the two, the two performances that stick out are Destin and Commissioner. Uh, both horses that Javier got actively involved from the start and they both significantly outran their expectations. So those two figure, you know, hit show was really never that far off the, uh, the Derby pace. And he really wasn't that far off the wood Memorial pace, which was pretty fast. So I think he's a horse that, you know, Brad Cox kind of has to tell Manny Franco, you're going to get this horse in the mix early because uh, they, he just doesn't have the, the ability to, run down horses that, that he's given a five or six length head start. He's got to grind. And if you're going to grind, you better stay close early. Manny's riding well <clears throat> and aggressively. So, so that actually works well. Hit show and Archangelo, you mentioned the two. We talked about him with Dean last week. Those are the two I'm still interested in. 12, 14, 16 to one, seeing those kind of prices around for those two. Those That's overpriced, in my opinion, when we have questions about the horses at the top of the market. Who are the other courses that you're interested in? And we can, I think we got to wrap this pretty quick if, if I understand your schedule correctly. Yeah, the other two horses are Hitcho and Archangelo. It's there, okay. they're the two. It's those two and Tappet Trice for me at this point. Um, I, I've, I'm an Archangelo fan. You know, I liked him going into the Peter Pan. I thought he ran very well. I think that he has a, 
a real ability to move forward with more distance. He's a horse that's always trained well, which means he probably has had some talent. And I thought Hitcho's Derby was really terrific. I thought it was one of the the more underrated trips, uh, underrated performances in there, given that he was relatively close. He stayed on. You know, he feels like a horse that's really going to going to be really have no problem with the distance. It was two fills light, I think, essentially. And it was and two, it was two fills light. Good way to put it. Hype. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I guess the only difference is that, you know, two fills, two, two fills should be in the Belmont. Oh, anyway, <laughs> um, two fills has this acceleration that he can put forth on the turn, whereas Hitcho never really like accelerates. You know, he kind of has that editor's note type profile where he just runs one speed all the way around the track. And a lot of times in the Belmont that wins, you know, that that's what, that's what Todd Pletcher has had them almost all of his Belmont success with is horses that just stay and they run and run and run. He, uh, yeah. Editor's note. That was uh, that was a, a fun one. We don't have time for that side story though. Other two names we should at least name check and then we'll get out of here. Ray's Kane and reincarnate look to be taking place, uh, taking their places in the field. Anything positive on either for anything? Um, no, I, my understanding is reincarnate won't go. Okay. Um, besides, I'm just looking at right now. They're, 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 yeah. they're late sometimes to pull the numbers. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's a, I think he's not going to go, um, you know, with Baffert, you don't know until draw day. So he could, he could end up running Arabian lion in here. You know, it's, right. you never know. I doubt it. I don't think he'd run Arabian lion and national treasure against each other. But um, yeah, Ray's Kane looks like he's just up against it. He he had his day in the sun, and quite honestly, there's a race for Ray's Kane on Belmont Day. It's going to take place at seven furlongs. He should be in the Woody. I think he's a cutback. That's an interesting. That's an interesting read and something to pay attention to for sure. All right, I know you got to roll. We're going to have so much more this week. I don't feel bad about keeping this one short. Nick Tamara, appreciate having you here. If you're watching on YouTube, let us know who you think is going to win the Belmont or what race you're most looking forward to for the Belmont Stakes Racing Festival this weekend. For Nick Tamara, for In The Money Media, I'm Peter Thomas Fornital. May you win all your photos. <laughs>